on, say it with conviction. This is God's word. Not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for this time that we have the fellowship around your word. Father, I pray that you will anoint the word, anoint the teacher, anoint our ears and our hearts so we can receive the incorruptible seed of your word. And Father, I pray that when we leave this place, we'll have better understanding. Our hearts will be filled and our faith will be raised. And I declare, Father, that signs, miracles, and wonders will follow the word. And those who don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior will make commitments today to move from darkness into light. We declare it and we decree it and believe it in Jesus' name. And everybody say, Amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. I want you to just watch this video before I actually start my lesson. My name is Lietta Harris, and I've been a member of Water Truth Family Church for three years. And I just want to give this testimony because I believe that Water Truth Family Church has blessed my life in so many ways. And the most recent way that has blessed my life is through Financial Hope Workshop class. I started um, that class a couple weeks ago, and on the first day at our table, we were talking about um, tithing. And one of the things that I brought out was that, um, how is it that you can tithe when you're just financially not making it? I have my mortgage that is practically half of what I'm making, so that leaves nothing for my car note, my insurance, um, my utilities, the cell phone, all the other bills. On top of that, my daughter's in school, and she has fees. I trust on so many other things, but I'm not trusting him for my financial welfare. And I decided I'm going to make the commitment to tithe. And everyone said, oh, yeah, I am too. I said, but I'm not just going to tithe. I'm going to tithe on PayPal when I get paid because if I don't, then one, it might not happen. Two, it'll be my um, first fruits. As we made the commitment on Thursday, we locked up and prayed about it and prayed that God would direct us and show us, you know, the way. I knew that my daughter had her fees paid, and I knew that was a challenge for me as well because it was $1,050. So I knew I didn't even have that. I'm like, how am I going to ever come up with that? So on Friday, because it was due on that Friday, 11-2, I called the school, and then they um, looked up her account, and they said that I owe $3.12. So I said, praise the Lord. I was just so happy. I was like, what? Praise the Lord. I said, wait a minute, what happened? I said, wait a minute. I don't even want to know that. Is it my daughter? Are you sure? And they said, yeah. I said, okay, thank you, Lord. I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So then they said, well, then it may be that she owes on um, housing. I said, fuck. I said, I remember she told me it was housing. So I got on the phone and called housing thinking, oh my goodness. But when I got on the phone with them, I asked them about it and, and I gave them her number and everything. And then he said, your daughter has a zero balance. Again, I said, 
Praise the Lord! And I'm in class at this point because I teach. And all my students are looking at me like, Miss, Miss, Miss. I said, oh, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I just can't tell you how good he is. And I said, God is good. The whole top of it was that when I told my daughter the story, I called her up and told her how, my testimony, how God blessed us because it's really her. And I said, well, you know, um, she was like, praise the Lord. I said, yeah, praise the Lord. She said, you know, God is so good. I said, yep, God is good. So she called me back and told me when she went to church on Sunday that she got up and testified in front of the whole church, and she's very shy. So one, I feel like when I pray for her nightly, I pray for her to grow in stature and wisdom and favor and for her to be a blessing to others. So it was just really a blessing to see her, her faith growing and working. What an awesome testimony. Made a decision to tithe on Thursday. And God scheduled a miracle for her on Friday. You know, last week we talked about miracles. And I believe that God is going to uh, cause miracles to happen in the lives of our church. And that's just one. But he wants to do a miracle for you. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. He wants to do a miracle for you. And so this week, uh, my lesson is just one of those, uh, I call this a, an unsystematic lesson because most of what I'm going to talk about today is just from my heart. Amen. Um, and I want you to do this. I want you to find two verses of scripture. I want you to find Malachi chapter 3, verses 6. And then I want you to find Deuteronomy chapter 28. That was Malachi chapter 3. And we're going to start in verse 6. And then we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 28. And we're going to start in verse 1. And today I'm going to talk about and teach what I call a very sensitive subject. And I say it's sensitive because... No one likes to hear about money when they come to church. Although money drives our economy, although money drives your home, people, very, especially Christians, don't really like to talk about it. But I have found over meeting with our, our members and meeting with different people that finances are the number one concern for most people. As a matter of fact, finances or lack of them can really be responsible for what I call the majority of either arguments or they spearhead the direction for divorces in most marriages. Amen. And so our topic today, I want you to write it down. I'm talking about living under an open heaven. Living under an open heaven. And as a pastor, it's been a, a tremendous struggle for me to see so many people be challenged financially when they actually have the power to do something about it. You say, well, what do you mean, Pastor Evan? Uh, seven out of ten members of our church don't tithe. In other words, if you have ten people lined up, only three of them have learned the principle of tithing. And the other seven are struggling. And the seven is typically, those are the ones that I meet with. And they are really having a difficult time financially. And one thing that I've noticed, uh, and I want you to think of it like this. If you had ten kids, how many in here have ten kids? Let me see your hand. Anybody? 
Boy, if you'd raise your hand, we'd all stretch our hand towards you. Lord, help them in Jesus' name with that Brady Bunch that they got. No, but if you had 10 kids and seven of them did not know their ABCs, but three of them did, what would you teach all of them? Their ABCs. So even though the three may already know them, because the majority don't, you would spend the time to teach the majority what the minority already know. And that's what I'm going to do today. Because seven out of ten of our members have not understood what giving does in their life. And so I'm going to spend the time. Now, if you're part of the three and you're already tithing and you've already learned how to give, then guess what? I just want this to be uh, icing on the, t- on the cake for you. Because even Jesus, when he preached, he preached the same thing a lot. In fact, if you read, he would always say, and again, I say unto you. Again means he had to say something twice. And so sometimes we have to hear things uh, because faith only comes when you what? When you hear. And so uh, I want you to write down point number one. And it's a major point because I, I, I need you to get it. And here it is. Everything that is first belongs to God. Everything that is first. Everybody say first. Everything that's first belongs to God. And I want you to, uh, to turn to the book of Exodus chapter 13. Go to Exodus 13. I know I told you to go to Malachi, but I want you to go to Exodus 13 real quick. Exodus chapter 13. And we're going to read verses 1 and 2. Exodus 13. And I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. And it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, and he said, sanctify or set apart unto me. How much? Come on, class. Oh, he says, I need you to set aside or sanctify unto me all of the what? Firstborn. He says, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, read it with me, it is. Whose is it? He said, it is mine. In other words, God sees the first of what we have as his. And our problem is we see what we have as ours. Now, go to Malachi. I told you to go there. Go to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. And I'm going to hopefully answer some fallacies and and eliminate some myths uh, that... Uh, a lot of people have when it comes to money because a lot of people even think that Jesus was poor when he grew up. They said, you know, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man have no place to lay his head. How many have heard that scripture before? Yeah, and that's true uh, when, because when they said that verse, he was out of town. Because if you go back and read, in fact, you you can just write down John chapter 1, verse 38. Jesus had a house. In fact, when the wise men came to find Jesus, they lived in a house. So if he had a house, he had somewhere to lay his head. But he was out of town. 
People say, well, he was so poor, he had to, he had to be born in a barn, in a, in, a, in, a, in a manger. Well, the only reason he was born in a manger is because the Bible says there was no place for him in the inn. In other words, all the hotels were full. But see, we were raised to brought, brought up that, oh, that's, he was raised in a barn because they didn't have enough money to even put him in a hotel. Okay, let me just hear some more myths. Okay, if your clothes came from Goodwill, let me just not use Goodwill. Because we shopped at Goodwill growing up. I don't mind Goodwill. Let's, let's just say, if you got your clothes from someone that was on the street, and you died, do you think those clothes would be worth gambling for? You only gamble for something that is valuable, right? So why would they gamble for Jesus' clothing if it wasn't worth something? Okay, let me help somebody again because I'm, I'm trying to break some things down. Why would you have a treasurer if all you had was a nickel? I mean, you don't need a bank account for a dollar. Now, now I mean, some of y'all, I mean, think about it. Jesus had an on-staff CPA who made sure and kept straight the money. And what's sad is he had a CPA that was stealing. So if all Jesus had was a dollar and they stole a dollar, there would be nothing left in the bag, right? Jesus had enough money that even when Judas was stealing, nobody recognized it but Jesus. Okay, let me go a little further. I know when we went, he grew up and the wise men came to his house and we say it was three wise men. It wasn't three because the Bible doesn't say it was three. Now what they get the number three from is that it says that they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So we think that that, you know, one brought gold, one brought frankincense, one, so it had to be three. Well, not really. The Bible says, and if you notice, that they, they traveled in caravans. So watch this. When Jesus was born, he was born with some money because they brought him some. You think they traveled that long way to bring him a dollar? I'm just trying to help somebody. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. He's just trying to help somebody. Amen. In Malachi chapter 3, remember... God sees everything that's first as if it belongs to him. And there are two things that will help you live under an open heaven. Two things. I'm going to give you what they are and then I'm going to explain them to you. Here's the first thing. Giving. Giving will keep the heavens opened over you. And then the second thing that keeps the heaven, heavens opened over you is obedience. Everybody say giving. And obedience. Now let's look at this in the context of scripture. In Malachi chapter 3. In verse 6. He says for I am the Lord I change not. Therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers you've gone away from my ordinances and you have not kept them. He says return to me and I will return to you says the Lord of hosts. But you said wherein shall we return? He says in verse 8 will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. He said, but how have we robbed you? Read it with me. In tithes. 
Notice he said in tithes and offerings, and I'll show you later why it's both of them. Amen. Look at verse 9. He says, you are cursed with the curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. He says, bring you how much? Come on, class. He says, bring you all of the what? Now, that settles the issue between net and gross right there. Okay, if your check is a thousand, and then they take all your insurance and all that stuff out, and then your net pay is eight hundred, which one is all? A thousand or eight hundred? A thousand. So that settles the, the issue with net or gross, and I can give you many scriptures on that. But it goes on to say, bring all the tithe where? In the where? Not your mother's house. He said the what? The storehouse, not your house, that there may be meat in my house. And he says, prove me now, says the Lord. If I will not open you the windows of heaven. Here we go, talking about living under an open heaven. He says, I will open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive. And he says, when you bring tithe and offering, he says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. And he will not destroy the, the, the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the, in the field, says the Lord. And he says, as a result of giving tithes and offering, he says, all nations, people are going to call you blessed. Man, there is nothing like showing the blessings of God in your life. And it's not just about stuff. Because some people look blessed, but they're not blessed. Amen. Now, I know some of you are going, well, that's the Old Testament, and we don't live under that anymore. You know, that's Moses. That was the law. Well, let me ask you a question. Is thou shalt not steal in the Old Testament? Does it still apply today? Is thou shalt not murder? Is that in the Old Testament? Does that still apply today? I tell you what, if it doesn't apply, we will be visiting you. In other words, there are certain principles. Everybody say principles. There are certain principles in the Bible that are steady. And one of those principles is God still sees everything that's first as his. Now go to Genesis quickly. Go to Genesis chapter 4. Let me show you this. Because... I'm going to show you in the first book of the Bible with the first family, God still required the first thing to belong to him. And what happens is when you take what belongs to God and you use it on yourself, you not only disqualify yourself for the windows of heaven to be open, you not only disqualify yourself for him to rebuke the devourer, you also put yourself in harm's way of the enemy. And his job is to kill, steal, and what? And that's why people who struggle financially, he lies to them and tell them, you can't afford to die, just like the testimony. I mean, who would have thought? That the $1,050 she needed was going to supernaturally be erased. Amen. Now in Genesis chapter 4 in verse 1 it says, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Watch this now. 
And in the process of time, in other words, time went by, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground, read it with me, an offering. What did Cain bring? He brought an offering. Now, I want you to see something. Notice who he brought the offering to. Who does it say? Cain brought an offering to the Lord. So when you give, you're not giving it to the church. You're not giving it to the pastor. They may be, uh, they may be in the house of the Lord, but you're giving it to the Lord. And when you understand that, you, the devil can't trick you and go, well, they don't need that. No, no, no. You're providing meat for God's house. But if you notice, even in the Old Testament, the first chapter, the first book in the Bible, it says they brought it to the Lord. And I like that because, see, now the Lord is always good ground. Amen. So watch this now. It says in verse 4, And Abel also brought of the what? First fruit or firstlings of his flock. Now, notice the difference between the two. One person brought an offering, and the other person brought the first of their offering. Now, notice what it says here. It says, And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his what? Why do you think the Lord had respect for Abel's and not Cain's? He brought it first. In other words, this is what Cain did. Cain waited until he saw all of his vegetables grow up. And then he decided, okay, I'll give God some. When Abel said, as soon as his cows had a cow, before he say, okay, I don't know if they're going to have another one. No, he took the first one and he says, okay, Lord, here. Because what he was saying is, I trust you to provide me with more. And see, tithing is about the heart and it's about trust. You can't say you trust God with your money if, you, if you're not giving him any. Thank you for that one faint clap over here. No, 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 seriously. You can really know if you're trusting God with your money when you're giving him the first of what you get. And I know it takes faith. I know it takes faith. Been there, done that. I have to do it all the time. Listen, people think that pastors, all pastors do, are doing well. Let me tell you something. They're not. All pastors, I know some of them. They're not doing well. Because the same faith that they have, they teach you to have, they must display themselves. And see, the thing, what I love the most is that once I learned this principle, I learned that I control my financial life with my seed. Amen. So we see that one person's offering was acceptable and one wasn't. Now quickly go to Ezekiel. Everybody say Ezekiel. Go to Ezekiel chapter 20. Let me show you this principle one more time and then I'm going to go to the next point. Ezekiel chapter 20. Ezekiel 20 and we're going to look in verse 40. This is what it says. If you don't find it, you can look on the screen. 
He says in verse 40, For in my holy mountain, and in the mountain of the height of Israel, says the Lord God, there shall all the house of Israel, all of them in the land, that's where they need to serve me. Here's the rest of it. He says there, there where? There in the mountain. He says, I will accept them. And there, everybody say there. There. And there will I, what's the next word? He says, there I will require a what? And a lot of people think offerings are an option when they are really a requirement. See, most people make tithing the end when tithing should be the beginning. He said, there I will require an offering and the first fruits of your oblations. Notice he says, And the first fruit. So at all times we should be in position to not just give God what belongs to him. But also to provide offerings. And I know some of you all are sitting here saying, Pastor, you don't know my financial situation. Let me say this. Everybody that I read in the Bible who had a financial challenge, the only way they got out is to use what they already had in their hand. Remember last week we talked about miracles and one of the principles about getting a miracle is that sometimes God will ask you to use what you already have. Remember, Jesus used water and made it into wine. Remember the widow woman in the, uh, uh, in 1 Kings uh, that she, he, she had a little cake and a little oil, but, but the miracle came from that? Well, sometimes we don't realize that our way out is actually in our hands. And I've had to learn this over time. And let me tell you something. Once you learn how to give and you see God work on your behalf, it becomes no problem. Everybody say, seven years ago. When we first started our church, you have to understand, when we first started our church, our church needed, everybody say needed. We needed $6,000 a week to run this church. Because we started with three full-time people right off the bat, plus all the other stuff that you have to pay for. And so it took $6,000 a week. How many know that's a lot of money right there? And so I was on my way to a conference that my pastor does every year. And I always pray and ask the Lord, what do you want me to give? And this was my first year going, and I prayed, and I said, Lord... What do you want me to give in the offering when, uh, when I get there? He says, I want you to give $5,000. I said, that's not happening. I said, that's not happening, Lord. I'm not giving no $5,000. I had never written a $5,000 check in my life. And then I'm going to give it to the Lord? Look at your neighbor and say, it ain't happening. So... It was time for the offering. I wrote a check for $2,500. How many know that was not the amount he told me? So I went down there and and they were announcing the seed so they could calculate it. So I said, $2,500. And everybody clapped, you know. and, And I walked back to my seat. And I got to my seat and one of my staff said, Pastor, I don't know why, but I believe we're supposed to give another $2,500. And I said, the devil is a lie. I'm thinking to myself, how do they know that? And it was just the Lord 
trying to get me in position for my needs to be met. I needed $6,000 a week. So guess what? I wrote that $2,500 check. And you know, the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. Well, it don't say he hate an uncheerful one. I was losing my cheerfulness little by little. I walked down there. I gave that $2,500. $2,500. And I went back to my seat. And, 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 and in the middle of getting to my seat, the Holy Spirit says to me, now I'm already sad. He says, I want you now, you've given on behalf of the church. Now you need to give. You need to give your Rolex away. I said, the devil is a big lie. I'm like, what is the Lord? What does he want from me? I mean, what, what, are, are you short of watches up there? What is the deal? I mean, and this was a nice watch. You're not hearing me. This was my favorite watch. That's a three-word syllable. Favorite. Three words. Favorite. So I, I, I went back to my seat and my wife saw it on my face. She was like, what's wrong? I said, the Lord told me to give my watch away. She said, well, you better do it then. I was like, thank you for the encouragement. So I sat there contemplating, should I obey God? Just like some of you all, every Sunday you contemplate, should I obey God? But you'll never see the miracle if you don't. Can I say this? You've proven that your way doesn't work. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say it on this side. You've proven that your way don't work. Okay, I'm going to say it over here. You've proven that your way don't work. So if your way doesn't work, why not just go ahead and do it God's way? So I sat up there and I gave my, my watch a funeral. I started shining it up for its burial. The burial was the basket. And so uh, I went down there and I was like the rich young ruler. I was sad at that saying. I mean, I was, and I dropped that watch in that bucket. But what I did not know was that God was going to use that seed and the seed that I obeyed him to give to sustain our church to the point now our needs, listen, let me, and just let me say, I'm teaching this. We don't need nothing. We're, 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 good. we're doing good. In fact, you know, it cost our church $30,000 to move. Remember, we just moved in our office and Set it up. It cost us $30,000. We still got the same amount of money that we had before we spent it. So it, we're not hurting. So I'm not saying this for you to give to, to the church because we hurting. I'm saying it because you hurting. <laughs> and you know, y'all know I'm like one of those in-your-face preachers. You know, I'm kind of in-your-face. Because some of y'all are going, well, you already drive a nice car, but I'm driving and you ain't giving none anyway, so it ain't your money I'm using. <laughs> that was in your face, wasn't it? Bam! <laughs> okay, I'll take that back. I'll take it back. No, for real, the devil will, he will put everything in your face 
and say, but see, it ain't about me. It's about God. It ain't about me. It's about you. It ain't about you. It's about the kingdom. And until you get to the point where God can trust you with some more, you're going to stay right where you are. In fact, I'll close with this one. Go to 2 Corinthians 9. Go to 2 Corinthians 9. See, I learned years ago that that giving was not about me. It was actually a channel or a way that God would bless me so I could be a blessing. Many of us, God blesses. And then we turn around and eat, wear, and consume the blessing. And we stop the process. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, watch this. He says in verse 6, But I say unto you, he who sows sparingly shall reap sparingly. Listen, and he who sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposed in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a what? See, there are three kinds of givers. There's a giver who gives out of obligation. And that's the person who gives because they have to. And then there's a person who gives out of dedication. Those are people who are already tithing, been doing it for years, and they're locked into the routine. But the problem is, people who give out of dedication, they give because they're supposed to. But then the next level of giver is what I call a giver who gives out a revelation. That's the person who gives because they know that this is a system that God has set up that they can use to sustain themselves. He goes on to say, and watch this, and God is able to make. If it don't exist, he can make it. If the job is not there, he can create it. If the, listen, if the economy is not where it needs to be, God will make all grace abound toward you. Watch this. That you always, everybody say always. You always having all sufficiency in what? All things. And here's the reason why. So you get abound to every good work. You should always have something. He said, you ought to always have all sufficiency in all things, and here's why. So you can keep doing good works. Now let me show you the problem. Go to verse 13. Uh, I'm, let's start in verse 10. Now, he that ministers seed or gives seed to who? Who does God give seed to? He gives it to the sower. He doesn't give it to the storer. A seed cannot produce a harvest if it stays in the barn. He says he gives seed to the sower and both minister bread for your food. Watch this. And multiply your what? He multiplies the seed sown, not the seed kept. He multiplies your seed sown and increases the fruits of your what? God gives seed to the sower. And I'm trying to get 70% of you in this room in position To see God work a miracle in your finances. 
And the thing that you need to most, you holding on to the most. Hmm. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I don't know who he's talking to, but you look guilty as charged. <laughs> I'm going to stop right here. Because see, some of y'all getting fidgety, like, ooh, I wish you'll stop. Because <laughs> I haven't talked about money in a year. I need to. Because it's a burden for me as a pastor to see people struggle. Listen, I have sat down with several, that's three words, several people who make over $100,000 and are struggling. You know why? Because it's not how much you make, it's how much you manage. Let me tell you something about God. God ain't going to give you more to waste. That's why the Bible says, he who is faithful over little, guess what happens? He promotes you to be ruler over much. And some of us want to prove to God, can, can, can I say this? You know, the rich young ruler, his, let me tell you what his problem was. Because see, some of y'all are going, well, if I had money, I would start giving. He had money, he wouldn't give. You prove to God. Right now, in your, with your present actions, basically your actions are the prerequisite of whether he wants to bless you with more. So here's the question. Where is the first part of your income going? Where's it going? Are you wearing it? Sounds like you need to buy some baby food with it. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just messing around, I'm just messing around. <laughs> no, I want you to think about it. And you know what? Most pastors are not bold enough, like I'm saying, they're not bold enough to do it. But, but, but it's hurting me to see you hurt. I mean, if God wanted me right now to give you $500, I ain't going to even scrap with God. And it ain't going to stretch me or hurt me. And it's not because I got a stack of money. It's because I'm a sower. And he supplies seed to the soil. Let me give you this last story. Y'all know the story. Can I give you one more story? Check this out. See, because I had to learn how to give. I had to learn. You know, Jesus had to learn obedience. He didn't just come out of the womb acting right. You say, well, he was Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. Jesus was a baby. I'm sure he got some whoopings. Come on now. The Bible says Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered. He had to learn some things. Well, I had to learn how to give. I had to learn how to tithe. I had to learn how to give offering. And, and once I learned it, my life began to change. And so now when God speaks to me to do something, I'm not looking at what he told me to give. I'm looking at the benefits of giving it. Because you will never ever outgive God. And what you give God is not acceptable until He gets His first. Do you know you haven't given an offering until you start tithing? 
And y'all know the story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Here's my story, and I'm closing. The first, I'll never forget, it's, it's so fresh in my mind because it was the first time I was ever challenged to give an offering that large. Sitting in a church service, and there was an evangelist at this, this is years ago, so I wasn't a pastor or nothing. I'm sitting there, and, and uh, you know, some churches take up the offering like an auction. You give me five, 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 ten, 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 right over, twenty, 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 anybody, fifty, 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 fifty. And so, come on, y'all know. They got the hundred dollar line over here, the fifty dollar line over here. They never have a dollar bill line. I never understood that. <laughs> well, I'm sitting in this meeting and uh, they're taking up the offering and they said, uh, I believe there are some people that the Lord wants to give, wants you to give a thousand dollars today. I said, that ain't me. And we were in the process of buying a house, our first house. And we had about seven days to close. So they weren't going to get that $1,000 from me. So then they came down to 500 I believe God wants somebody in here to give $500. I said, that ain't me either. See, I was waiting for her to come down to 100 Because at that time, I was a $100 man. Oh, you can have 100 They ain't going to hurt me that much. But you ain't going to no 500 Mm-mm. So then when, it, when she said for 500 she stuck there for a while, and she came off the stage because she was on the stage. It was, you know, it was a lady preacher, and she, was, she came down off the stage, and she started, you know, walking. And, you know, I'm looking down because I don't even want to have eye contact with this lady because I'm not giving no $500 today. So she started walking toward me, and I'm thinking, this lady is walking toward me. And then when it get too close, it's, it's almost like slow motion. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's like. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. She is coming toward me. The devil is alive. <laughs> no, seriously. So she comes up to me. She said, man of God, if you'll give that $500, God will bless you. And I was thinking, how you know I got $500? And I was thinking, God, you know I got to buy a house in seven days. I, this ain't you asking me for $500. And if, if this was God, she would know I was trying to buy a house. You know, I'm going through all this stuff in my head. And finally, she said, if you'll get that, that money, God's going to bless you. She said, now write down on. Now, this is offering. This ain't time. She said, now write down on the envelope everything you want God to do. So I looked at my wife. And she was like, give the $500. And man, I, was, I gave that money shaking and trembling. They probably didn't even understand my name on that envelope. <laughs> the next day, I'm in church. Now, I'm looking for a break. I'm like, the Lord done get, told me to give 500 Lord, I thank you because you're going to bless me. You're going to bless me with this house. And we ain't going to have no problems. And I'm sitting there in church. And, and this is back in the day when we had beepers. My beeper goes off. I look it. It's the mortgage company's number. So I tiptoe out of church. You know, one finger means one cigarette. <laughs> two means two cigarettes. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> so I get outside. I call them. They said, Mr. Connor, we have some bad news. I said, what? They said, well, your debt ratio is too high. You got to pay off one of your school loans in order for you to get this house loan. We're sorry. I said, well, which school loan are you talking about? Because, you know, at the time I had like three or four of them. 
It was like the one that it was $1,800. I said, I ain't got no $1,800. And the Lord just took $500 anyway yesterday. <laughs> well, we're sorry. We can't help you. I, well, then I hung up the phone. I was like, Lord, what, what? And then I thought about it. He already knew this was going to happen. I needed to have some seed in the ground. So then I started confessing. Lord, I thank you. You said give and it shall be given unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shaking down and running over. Thank you that somebody's going to give to my bosom by the time we get ready to close on this house in Jesus' name. Long story short, somebody wrecked my car. I had a Mercedes then. They, uh, they were valet parking it and the valet guy wrecked my car. Well, I was happy he wrecked it because... They wrote the check out to me directly instead of the insurance company. And guess how much the check was for? $1,800. But that wasn't a miracle. The miracle came the day after we closed. After we closed, we get a phone call at like 2 or 3 in the morning. And it was my wife's uncle calling from England. And I won't get up for no phone call at 2 or 3 in the morning. I, uh, so my wife got on the phone. And he said, yeah, I've been trying to get a hold of y'all. When your mom died, he left you some money. And she's like, he's like, well, give me your bank information. And, and so when, when I heard bank information, I got up. <laughs> he was like, well, uh, in a few days, you can expect this wire. And she was like, well, how much is it for? He said for $20,000. Now, how many in here would write a $500 check to get a $20,000 check? But see, here's the thing. I didn't know the check was coming, but let me tell you what I believe. I believe my obedience triggered it because we had been married about three years, so he had that money all that time. Because you never know what your obedience is doing on your behalf. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, you may be here this morning and you've never received Jesus.